Welcome to the show. My name is James Nielsen Watt, and in this show, we interview interesting, inspiring, and successful people so you can learn the secrets to success and can play the game of life, business, health, and happiness better. And the philosophy we take here is if I'm leveling up my game, you get to level up yours as well. So get ready to listen to some inspiring people who have figured out how to have success in all areas of life, health, happiness, wealth, business. We're gonna be interviewing them in this show so that you can learn the secrets to success that they share with practical advice that you can take and use today. So if you enjoy the show, please subscribe, please leave us a review, and please share it with your friends because if I can help you and you can help others, then we can help more people together and we can all level up our game together. My guest today is Stephen Scoggins, a best-selling author, award-winning entrepreneur of multiple businesses with multi-eight-figure revenues, a motivational speaker who's spoken to audiences of thousands, and the creator of the proprietary Life Mastery Framework, affectionately named Transform You. Stephen has taken over three decades of setbacks, failures, breakdowns, losses, successes, and comebacks and transparently uses them to provide simple yet effective step-by-step lessons to help anyone reclaim their hope and go from stuck to unstoppable. Since then, Stephen has been paying it forward, creating the Journey Principles Institute, an organization dedicated to helping others go from stuck to unstoppable in the areas of life and business. He's appeared in many media outlets, including NBC, CBS, Entrepreneur, Thrive Global, Grit Daily, and more and is the best-selling author of his book, The Journey Principles. Welcome to the show, Stephen. Super excited to have you on. Um, I'd love it if you can kind of just dig in a little bit to your backstory. Like it sounds like there's, there's been some intenseness, to say the least, and you come out the other side. So talk to us about that. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. Such a joy to be hanging out with you, um, for sure. But uh, yeah, I um, my backstory is kind of like a... I don't know if from a biblical perspective, like Joseph from the Bible, from the um, your typical media world perspective, it's like Forrest Gump, right? There's a, a bunch of curveballs that led to bigger things, and curveballs led to bigger things, and curveballs led to bigger things. But you know, I grew up in a pretty pretty broken home overall. Uh, parents uh, were largely not part of my early early life as a, you know all the way up to my young adulthood. One struggled with alcoholism, another struggled with uh, like kind of I wouldn't call it mental illness, but um, struggled emotionally to kind of really connect and things like that. And ultimately, it led me to being raised by my grandmother and um, who I called Nanny. All right. So we, we all have our like our nicknames for our grandparents. So she was Nanny for me. The honest truth is, is for the longest time, it was like great because yeah, I, f- I finally had the nurturing, I had the empowering, I had the discipline. Like I, I was being treated as someone who was seen, valued, and heard, and appreciated, which is at the core of all of us. We all want to feel seen, valued, heard, and appreciated consistently. And I won't really forget this. Uh, Around nine years old, she comes to me and she sits down at this. We had this old school 1970s oak like kitchen table. Had these black tall chairs that were uh, you know as tall as I was at the time, which wasn't super tall then. But you know, and she kind of picks me up and sets me on one of the chairs. And she looks me dead in my eyes and she said, "I need your help around the house." And I'm like. Nine years old, I got a GI Joe in one hand, a transformer in another, and I'm like, you know, snake eyes is kicking Bumble's bee's butt. Like, what are you talking about? Help you around the house? Like, you know, can't you see there's a duel going on? No, and then, but something in her eyes made me just stop and like really intently listen. And you know, I kind of uttered the words, you know, like whatever you need, or you know, however I can help, or you know, whatever a nine year old would say to just say yes, I agree. 
And uh, she proceeded to take the black chair that I was in, scooted over to the 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 range on the kind of in the over in the corner of the kitchen, um, old tan looking thing, like like uh, apparently the 1970s theme was like pure. And um, as she did that, she began to teach me how to boil water, and then teach me how to you know essentially make mac and cheese, and then make, gosh, uh, oatmeal, boiled hot dogs, pretty much anything you could make with water or milk. Um, she taught me how to do at nine years old. And I would have to stand in this chair in order to reach the top edge of the stove to stir the water, add the salt, and do all this kind of stuff. And that was life for you know probably close to two years. My aunt ended up moving in with us and uh, took some of that load off. But around the age of 11, she passed away and uh, passed away from cancer. That's essentially what started the whole thing. You know, back in the 80s, uh, at least here in the states, the you know cancer was bad, but the chemotherapy that supposedly treated the camp cancer was even worse, right? That we weren't nowhere near as the uh, uh, as far along as we are today in, in some of the medical terms. And you know, sure enough, she, you know, she passed, and my parents came back into the picture. I went to go live with my dad. My little brother went to go live with my mom, and and that's kind of how I entered the construction industry. And uh, first time I ever heard these words, we were joking around a little bit off air about, uh, you know like the lineage or Scoggins or kind of where we're from and all this kind of stuff. And uh, he uttered these words, he says, Scoggins don't get ahead, they get by. Mm. And he'd had a failed business. And I never really thought about that, but he looked at me and when my father said it, he looked at me dead intense. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I'm sure the audience has some where somebody looks you dead in their eye and you just know there's like an instant like kind of connection. So something's kind of etched, bad or good or indifferent. Well, this is one of those etchings, if you will, you know, etching in my mind, etching in my, in my, in my kind of my heart, so to speak. And for the next several years, I'm, I'm heavily focused on just doing the work, getting by. At 13 years old, I started buying my school clothes. And at 17, by the time I was 17 year old, uh, I was out on my own, had to drop out of high school uh, to help my father pay the bills. We didn't have a family car. We had been evicted from the house we were in and foreclosed on. And, you know, life just was a one giant struggle for a number of years. And that's when I met my dad's, uh, his mentor, his, his employer, his father figure, who later became my father figure. And much like the Scoggins don't get ahead, they get by comment, Steve Myrick, which is my first mentor, did something different. He pulled me down off the framing crew, put me in his Jeep Grand Cherokee, this little, you know, white little SUV. And I'm sitting there enjoying the AC because it was like super hot outside, right? And he kind of stuns me. He asked me two questions that ultimately changed the direction of everything and has led me to where I'm at today. The first of which was, what's the difference between a rich man and a poor man? And I kind of like jokingly said, well, duh, money. He's like, absolutely not. It's the way they think. The second question actually punched me harder than the first question. The first question just kind of opened my mind and my heart a little bit. And the second question was this one. Do you want to learn to think like me or do you want to continue thinking like your father? Now, here I had contrast. I had a multimillionaire who I'd seen been incredibly generous, um, giving away $1,000 under uh, these basket of hush puppies, which is, you know, little cornbread things we have here in the States, to single waitress that he, that he found out was struggling. She would get completely wrecked, crying, thankful. He'd never say a word. He'd walk out. She'd never, you know, she kind he would kind of just kind of go about the wayside. Meanwhile, my father, on the other hand, would, would constantly be borrowing money, not paying it back. Um, constantly struggling to make ends meet, con- working as hard as he possibly could, but never being able to do anything with the resources that he had at his disposal. And in that moment in time, I finally opened up from all the adversity and it's like, 
maybe there could be a different way. Maybe, just maybe. And I began to see my past as not my present because a lot of people do that. They see what they've always known as being what they're always going to have. And what he helped me shape is it helped me discover that my past is actually very different than my potential. And as a result, that started me on this whole journey. It's it's interesting. I hear a lot of things with that, right? Like we're, we are so influenced by who's around us because it becomes our only reference point for how to do things. Mm -hmm. So how, yeah. like you don't know what you don't know and that scares the crap out of me. Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of people go, well, I don't know. And then just kind of carry on. Whereas I look at, uh, you know, where, where I've come in the last two years, the last six mm -hmm. months, right? Let alone the previous five, 10, et cetera. And I think about what's possible in the future. And I don't worry about not knowing how or what it's going to even be, mm -hmm. just purely focusing on trying to discover what I don't know. And yeah. I've always found the fastest way is to find someone who does. Now, this is not something that I always knew, uh, similar background story, um, but it got to a point where some things changed and I started realizing that, realizing that there are shortcuts. Now, I'm not going to say that I'm lazy. I'm going to say that I'm very much a work smarter, not harder type person. Um, <laughs> back from whether it was, you know, stacking firewood with one hand and, and leaning on my knee instead of with two. And my grandmother saying, you know, James work properly, use two hands. I said, I'm going as fast as you and my back doesn't hurt. So I'm winning. Um, and it was, <laughs> uh, which, which uh, a lot of that personality, my, my family didn't get, but it's, it's what's led to, to my success now, because I'm looking for the smarter way to do things. And the smartest mm -hmm. way is to find somebody who knows some stuff and can show yeah. you some stuff. I think the, the smart thing though, is to be willing to listen to an alternate perspective from somebody who's doing things that are different. Yeah, for sure. Way. I, I work with small healthcare practices, small, medium healthcare mm -hmm. practices. That's, that's my thing. And I, and I help them uh, become more successful. And the biggest difference between those who succeed and succeed easily and quickly and those who don't is their willingness to accept new information without question, and then implement on it when it's been given by a mentor that, yeah. that knows what they're doing. They're just like, if I want to be good at investing, I'm not going to ask my friend who, who sucks at it. I'm going to ask the friend <laughs> yeah, who's right? good at it. And he's probably going to tell me some stuff. I'm going to go, that makes no sense to me, but it must work because you're rich. So, you know, maybe I should do it. Yeah, what, absolutely. What would you say to somebody who's hearing this and going, that makes so much sense, but I just don't get how I can do that. Maybe I'm full of fear. Maybe... Maybe, you know, well, my parents were right. They lost all their money buying property. And so I can't do that. Like, what would you, someone who's on the edge of almost being pulled into the, the, the place that we're at, mm -hmm. um, what would you say to them to help them kind of realize that, hey, this is maybe an easier way through? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the easiest things to understand is people can't teach you what they don't know about themselves. Right. So if your parents don't want to flip real estate or your parents don't know how to build a healthcare practice or your parents don't know how to be a personal brand or your parents or your cousins, your aunts, your uncles, whatever your sphere of influence is, all because they can't see your, the vision for you, for yourself, doesn't mean you shouldn't pursue the vision for you, for yourself. Uh, one of the greatest stumbling blocks that I see with a lot of folks that I've worked with, um, from entertainers to you know business professionals to gosh, hardworking soccer moms and dads, right? Is this essence of not understanding that they're actually living someone else's life. They're living the belief systems, they're leaving the uh, strategical and the tactical methodologies, the principles, the lack of it, reaction, emotions, outburst. So much of that stuff is 
comes through a, a slow process of indoctrination um, that it becomes very difficult for someone like myself. It sounds like even for you, where you're you are trying to break out of you know think for me like poverty mindset, right? I was taught that if you don't have enough money, you go ask somebody for it, right? I had to be taught that that is actually not helpful. In fact, that will ultimately lead you X, Y, and Z. And instead, why don't I teach you with every resource that you make? Why don't I teach you how to double it, triple it, quadruple it? And I wish I could say that happened overnight, right? But it didn't. It, it was a process of learning that, oh, if I do this, this works. If I do this, this works. And you end up building momentum. You know, I think ultimately the, the listener, the viewer has to understand there, there's really one main question that you have to ask. Are you going to learn from other people's experiences, which means you get to learn from their, their failures and their successes, or are you going to learn from your own experiences? Most times when we learn from our own experiences, it comes through the process of pain, right? Whereas you mentioned earlier, when it comes down to learning learning a different way or learning the, from the experience of someone who's already been there, done that, and kind of someone that you would kind of admire and aspire to be like, you're able to avoid the pain, but pick up the perspective. And I think at the end of the day, that's where the shift goes. You have to decide, am I going to be a person who's going to learn by perspective or am I going to be a person who learns by pain? Both will teach you the same lesson. It'll take you different lengths of time to learn it, different lengths of time to apply it. But at the end of the day, I think that's where the, the major question comes down to. You know, one of the things that I see in the States, I'm not sure what the, what the stats are in New Zealand, but in the States specifically, one of the things that we discovered is about 80% of the population here, 70, 76% of the population, the last time I looked at the stat, would say they're happy, unfulfilled, anxiety, unhappy, unfulfilled, anxiety-ridden, depression, sadness, like isolation, all these different things that as an American culture, we're like, here, take a pill for that. Take a pill for that. Take a pill for that. Which I, I'm sorry, the pill doesn't solve the root. And unless you can solve the root of the problem, you can't change the fruit of their experience. That's just, a, that's just a reality, right? So what we've discovered is, is that most people are chasing someone else's life. You have doctors that are basically dying to be a painter. Like they're, you know, they're passionate about painting. They're passionate about photography or film or being an attorney or construction or accounting or any number of things. But yet their parents say, you don't mean anything to me unless you are a doctor or an attorney, even though there's not their skill set. I've been very intentional with my, my children who are now young adults in saying, what are you really good at? What do you really love doing? What are you willing to study if nobody was paying you? Or you know, what, what types of things light you up? And we'll, we'll, we'll take time and we'll put time on paper to jot all that stuff down. And then we're going to look for the common denominators. We're going to look, say, how, okay, well, how does the, the, your love for people relate to your love for service? How does your love for service relate to your love for, um, you know, using your hands or creating music? Or The reality is, is people are not learning from the right methodology of experience. And you've already hit on it earlier on, which is learn from those, quite simply, who have been there, done that, and have done it with a level of character integrity, right? I see a lot of people, especially in the American culture, uh, in the social media influencer world, who will follow somebody for what they have, but not for what they know. Big difference. As a result, you saw this rise of gurus, 
So people that hadn't actually politely been there and done that, but had this stuff that other people had or borrowed the stuff, rented the stuff, which has all happened. Meanwhile, you have guides who are so busy being guides and so busy being successful at what they do and so busy teaching people what they know that the world hardly knows about them, right? And I think if you're going to understand that your life has meaning and purpose, you also have to understand that your past is not your potential. And you also have to understand, at least for me, the greatest purpose in life you'll ever have is serving the person you used to be. Now, I discovered that the hard way. You know, I, here I am. I got, uh, I think, seven businesses total now, employ a few hundred people. Uh, we do pretty well in the marketplace from a revenue standpoint. And all I'm hungry for, all I'm hungry for nowadays is how can I fix the older version of Steven? How can I be someone else's Steve Myrick? How can I teach them a principle, a technique, a strategy, right? But I've also been that same person who wants to do that, but in turn also does it in such a way that the person's not ready for it. So you, know, so you have to step into this. I guess the answer, this is a long way to answer to the original question, but the number one thing you've got to do is you either, either you're hungry or you're not. Like your stomach may be growling, but are you in desperation for hunger? Are you in desperation for breakthrough? Are you in desperation for um, true passion and true fulfillment? Where are you at here, gutterly, like inside of you? Because if you can get that, then it's about, okay, am I going to learn from pain or am I going to learn from passion? And I think if you can merge all of that together, right? Hunger, pain, and passion and try to figure that out. I think pretty much the world is your oyster. I, I have a hard time with people saying, I can't do it or I shouldn't do it. Or I don't have enough resource. I don't have enough relationships. I don't, I, you don't understand where I came from. You don't understand how I got brought up. And I'm like, look, you got to let all that crap go. You choose right now, today, today, how you want to live your next 20 years. You choose it. So I know it's a long way to answer, but that's, that's where my heart goes when I'm, when I'm kind of, I guess, sharing my heart about uh, something like that. So I, I'm big into Tony Robbins and and he talks a lot about how, how our stories and what he, what we tell ourselves about our past or our present or our future influence it and 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 how like there's the concept and you said Vikings, right? There's a concept where uh and and most listeners should have heard this. It's when if you want to take an island, you know, in a battle, you burn your boats because mm-hmm. then you got no way off unless you take their boats and that creates a fire, which makes you push harder and you get what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, fear of failure of an exam will make you study harder for it. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm somebody who, who I'm not going to wait until the pain's big because pain, pain keeps getting bigger until you do something about it or you can't because you're now dead. Like as a health professional, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've got, if you're having uh, heart troubles and you're noticing some issues, um, you should probably do something about it. Because if you don't, yeah. it'll get to this point where you can't. People are so good at turning away from pain. They're so mm-hmm. good at turning away from pain that the pain gets so big that now they they must do something about it. But by that point, mm-hmm. it's a bit late. Like not, yeah. I'll rephrase, it's not late, but it's like you're going to have to work so much harder, you know, at, at 40 to sort your shit out, 50, 60, mm-hmm. than if you were aware of it at 20 or 30. And I think yeah. that it's, I think that people... Who, who said, I think it was uh, Bill Gates who said it, people overestimate what they can achieve in a year and underestimate mm-hmm. what they can achieve in a decade. And I think it gets exponentially harder over time because you're now more conditioned into the old way of doing it and less receptive to changing and less flexible. And now you have more stories 
that it becomes harder the longer you leave, the longer you leave it. Plus, the issues get bigger, and the pain gets bigger. So there's this there's this contradictory. I've, I must solve it, and I'm now less movable uh, in myself. I I deal with it a lot again with with the clients that I have, and they get to a point where they're now working with us, and they say, "Okay, I need clients now. I need to make money now." I'm like. Shit, you should have. We should have started six. Started five years ago. <laughs> five yeah. years ago, like now, if if you need it now, it's 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 too late. It's not going to work. So how about we plan for what, three to six months from now? And they're like, oh, but yeah, I need it now. It's like, yeah, but it's not how it works. So you're just going to mm-hmm. have to suck up the pain, take it on the chin because you've allowed it to get to this point. So what you said was it was powerful, right? It's like you need to be receptive to the information to be willing to change, mm-hmm. uh, because without that. You, you're just not going to. No one's going to come and save yep. you. I saw a great meme the other day and it was like somebody who'd cut down palm trees on an island and they built the word help with it. They took all the resources they've got and they, they made the word help and just sat there like this, mm-hmm. you know, someone come and save me. And then, yeah. and then the next one is a, a picture of somebody who took the same bits of wood out of the word help and built a raft and just got off the island. And I mm-hmm. think that illustrated my point uh, very well. Um, I'd love to ask you, there's this, for me, I feel like there's this societal thing where uh, almost a badge of honor of struggle and we pass it on to our kids where we don't want to give our kids too much because they've got to learn and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Because there's always this feeling that the next generation always has it easy and they don't, you know, they're, they're, they disrespect their parents and authority and, you know, they don't work as hard and blah, blah, blah. And the irony for me is, is watching people go through this progression where they were that child of their parent. And then mm-hmm. they got to a point where they kind of just forgot about that. And now they're starting to see it in the new generation and thinking that it's the, the young generation. And it's like, what are you doing? You're just repeating the same thing that I'm pretty sure has been happening for thousands of years. And the irony is that, uh, and I'll, I'll illustrate this point with my, with my grandmother. I, I used to do uh, all the top subjects at school. I was reasonably, I, I didn't put in much effort, but I was reasonably... Uh, brainy with that and we're doing calculus something that my family had never done before none of them had finished school and never done calculus and my grandmother thought I was cheating because I used a calculator and I said grandma I don't think you understand what I'm doing I'm not going to sit here and do a a calculation on paper while I'm trying to uh, figure out you know x under the curve and blah 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 I need to get that done so I can do the complex thing right Mm -hmm. like I'm not going to learn how to train a buffalo to then plow the field, it's going to buy a tractor, bro. And then I'm going to do 30 fields <laughs> with your one yeah. field with the tractor. So talking about that, why do you think there is this feeling like our kids have to struggle? People have to struggle. And it's this badge of honor because for me, and maybe I'm wrong, but for me, I look at it and think I'm going to make sure that my kids have as much resources as possible and ability to use those resources so that they can perpetually go forward because Giving a kid a calculator and not showing them how to use it makes them lazy because now they don't know math. But giving a kid a calculator and showing them how to use it and to do complex stuff, they mm-hmm. can now send a man to the moon, not be what everyone freaks out to be that this kid's going to you know, do nothing because they've got too many resources. I feel like I illustrated my point. Can you speak <laughs> to that a little bit? Yeah. So um, I share a little bit of your perspective and then I, I think I'll try to offer some of my own. So there are character qualities that I think adversity teaches. The number one being resilience. Those, and I've experienced this with my own kids, right? So when, the, when, they, when they first met me and I married their mother and they became my boys, 
they didn't have much of anything, right? And they watched me, they watched me work. I have an incredible work ethic. That's one strength that I know I do have. Um, but at the same time, at no point in time do I ever, did I ever want them to be like me and have to be homeless to wake up to actually go to the next level, right? I, don't, I wouldn't want them that. At the same time, as I watched them grow up into young adulthood, uh, you know, primarily in their high school years or sophomore through their senior years, I had realized that I had set them up in some cases with the f- improper expectation of what life is, right? That everything can kind of come to you and that maybe you maybe um, you can expect someone to hand you that calculator, expect someone to teach you how to use that calculator, right? And so there is always a fine line between leveraging experience, leveraging relationships, right? And then leveraging tools, right? So when I, when I think about this as a father, my number one goal is to build high quality men and high quality women, right? Because I have one daughter and I got two boys. In order to do that, I have to teach them about character and integrity and perseverance. I also have to teach them discernment and wisdom. Perfect example. So um, obviously something happens to me, my, my family is well taken care of, but I also know that generational wealth can be erased in three generations, completely erased. So I, you know, I spend my entire life um, generating wealth, generating impact, generating influence, generating uh, affluence, right? Generating all this stuff. I don't want to give that weight and that mantle and put it on someone who can't actually carry the load. So because I have all these resources and I have this experience and I have these relationships and I have these different things that are tools to human advancement, I need to make sure that the person carrying it understands it, respects it, and is willing to put in some work to carry the load. I can tell you just personal experience. My, you know, one of the ways in which I became homeless was the Steve Mark, the same very person that gave me my first shot. He literally put me in business for myself the first time, bought me everything that I needed to start, took care of my back house, my payroll, all the kinds of like I basically all I had to do was show up and do the tactical part. I didn't do any strategical vision planning, none of that stuff. Now, on the surface, that sounds like, well, that's not really a business, but I was learning the whole time. He was just teaching me a different way. However, one of the things that I discovered was my 19-year-old self, who had never been trained to handle money, who had never developed the character and the integrity to carry that load, was given quite a bit of money as a resource for my work now. So I had, you know, I'm working, I'm making bonuses, I'm doing all this kind of stuff, only to find out that that inflated my ego created a sense of arrogance and conceitedness and the need to feel like I had to show off to other people because, you know, other people in theory told us we weren't going to amount to much because we lived in a trailer park and we were, I dropped out of high school and all these different things, right? So the motivations became wrong. And that's where I think resilience and perseverance can actually help. It was the after effects of basically having it all, losing it all and being stupid with it that from relationships to being stupid with zeros that took me down a certain level that could only humble me that way. I've always been a very um, resourceful driven person. My brain works in, oh, you say I can't go that way? Fine, I'll just go this way. Oh, I can't go that, I'll go this way. Oh, I'll go that, I'll go that way, right? To me, there's no one way to get to anywhere, right? And in doing so, when you have that level of strategy kind of wired into you and commitment and perseverance, if it's aimed the wrong direction, you end up hitting the wrong thing, right? So in this particular case, 
what helped me was actually losing everything. I've learned that by losing everything, you understand the proper value of most things, right? So my family, super important, right? Um, my leadership, the ability to lead hundreds of people, right? Super duper important. And to do so well, where they know that they're seeing value, heard, and appreciated on a regular basis. Without doing those things well, I can't even set the stage for my kids to come up behind me and, and take ownership one day. At the same time, I'm not going to wait till my kid gets out of college and immediately put them at the operational level or the executive level of my boardroom, right? Now, I may make him work in the shop or I may make him work in the accounting office or I may make him work in an entry-level position and invite him into the room from time to time so he can see me do some things. But I'm not going to let him open his mouth and contribute to the conversation until he's earned the right to own that chair, right? Because when someone earns the right to own the chair, they get the respect of their peers, even if their peers are well advanced and from where they are, you know, five, 10 years senior. I've always had an interesting um, piece of always being fast forwarded through advancement. I would start here and within a short amount of time, I would be leading something. And then I would start somewhere else. I'll be short amount of time leading something else. And I've discovered that one of the reasons that happens is because there is a strategy towards doing it easier or doing it better. But there's also a strategy and a muscle memory that's built by carrying the load, learning to put in the muscle memory, so to speak. So that's how I can take, like, give me an example. I got a young man that's been with me for probably four years. His name's Connor. He's actually my son, he's now my son-in-law. And Connor's brilliant. 25 years old, brilliant. He's a genius when it comes to digital marketing and all this kind of, it's just, it's something he loves. He radiates about, he knows more about it than I'll ever care to learn about. Okay. However, with all that intellect, all of that strategy, one of the things that he's worked on with me specifically is just getting it done. Like not getting lost in overthinking and not getting lost in overly strategizing. While there is always an easier way, there is always an innovative way. There always is a better way. Sometimes, from my perspective, somebody needs to put the hand on the plow for just a few minutes to understand the weight of the plow. How, and how I think at the end of the day, it's, it's both of that. I was going to say, how much do you think that's relative, though? Because all of us are in the 1% when you factor in the rest of the world in, mm -hmm. in Western society. So yeah. from their perspective, you would think that we have a massive advantage and be given things and it's easy and you should come and literally work the field. Whereas we kind of more entertain that to create perspective on our situation. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of this is to create perspective, but, and I'm, I'm, I'm here to kind of, uh, to, to, to create discussion, right? I, yeah. I feel like a lot of that's perspective because we're still providing, we're still setting them up far more than actually starting at the ground. My, my grandmother would mm -hmm. say, you know, James, you've got to know how to plant potatoes. And my smart ass comment was always, I'll just make sure I always make enough so that I can just pay someone to plant potatoes for me. But mm -hmm. the point being that reducing things down to their components to learn them is not always going to be the most efficient way to progress because that mindset leaves you to, to, to focus on hard work, not smart work. So in, mm -hmm. in, for example, in the case of, of when, we, when we get too big for our britches, as we might say yeah. in New Zealand, I think it comes from who we're hanging out with. If our yeah. friends make not much money and now we're making a whole lot, suddenly we can buy a new Toyota Corolla and look like a baller. Whereas yeah. if we're hanging out with millionaires, it's like, oh, actually, uh, you know, I, yeah. however big I think I am, there's a bigger fish. How much do you think that plays into this? Uh, because 
when you said, for example, about Connor and, and, and overthinking to find an easier, better way, for me, what I hear is lack of direction on the outcome. So mm-hmm. we're now optimizing for the sake of optimizing versus to get the result. Like if the result is yeah. to get money, you don't, and, and there's a stack of cash there. I'm not going to invent a robot arm to grab it. This work smarter thing would actually just be to grab the money with my hand because to make a robot arm would be complex and stupid. So speak mm-hmm. to that a little bit because I think context, yeah, I mean, I think yeah, yeah I think yeah. it comes. I think it comes down to there's wisdom and understanding the needs and sacrifices of those who largely may work for you one day, and some of the, some of the way you do that, some of the way you get buy-in, some of the way you get higher networking connections with people that you may lead is at some level showing them that you want to understand what they face. The reality is the vast majority of the world doesn't want to have a, an extravagant life or a really nice life or a, you know they they everyone says they do and they complain about not having an amazing life but rarely are people willing to do the work to search out a mentor for example, right? I was very fortunate. I stumbled my way into a mentor that that believed in me when I didn't believe in myself, right? To me, that's one of the key factors in why I was able to get out of the prior mindset of, hey, I need to learn how to plant potatoes. Because if you grew up in an environment where everybody's been taught to plant potatoes and plant potatoes is how they survived, then they think they're loving you by saying, I need to teach you how to plant potatoes, right? They don't realize that you have the capacity to build a potato factory, right? Or hire sharecroppers or own fields or own the mechanism that endorses, you know, that, that, that provides the seed or any number of one of those things. I think that is so individualistic to the person that people choose whether or not they want to go a different direction. Some people are incredibly gifted like yourself with a high level of intellect, especially when it comes to administrated um, base scholastic needs, right? And strategies and tacticality. Some people are just gifted at tacticality. It's not like they, it's not like they can't learn the other, but to learn the other in a in a short amount of time would take a lot of time because they have to overcome a lot of limiting beliefs, a ton of limiting beliefs. It's like um, you know, some of us they, they say that some of us work with the left half of our brain, some of us work with the right half of our brain. Hardly hardly any of us work with all of our brain, right? On a consistent basis. And I think at the end of the day, there's wisdom and experience and understanding that if someone wants a better life especially if they grow up in a difficult environment, they have to be listening to another level of person than the person they've always been around, period, right? That goes back to the indoctrination thing that we talked about earlier. Your grandmother loved you. She was trying to say, I love you. I need to make sure you can feed yourself. Here, watch me plant potatoes. You need to learn how to plant potatoes. She doesn't necessarily know because she's never seen in her family someone actually go out and buy a potato farm, right? She's never seen that before. So there's no point of reference. It's kind of like the comment that we started off with earlier in the, in the episode where my father said, Scoggins don't get ahead, they get by. Now I dug into that, right? When I got older, I went down the ancestry.com like rabbit trail, right? We were joking around, um, you know, about kind of ancestry and stuff like that. And I totally got New Zealand and, and <laughs> Newfoundland like, like totally screwed up, but you let me pass by that. Thank you about that, by the way. <laughs> but when that, when that happened, I discovered that in 450 years, almost 500 years, right? It's like 458 or something like that. But in, in that amount of time frame, I am the only Scoggins on the planet that I know of that in my generation, my specific lineage, okay, that has developed a level of affluence, 
influence and impact. The only one. What makes me different than every Scoggins before me? The main difference is someone woke me up. That's the core difference. If you're used to living a certain lifestyle for a long time, um, it's why poverty is so hard to break in any country, no matter where you're at. Impoverished people end up having more impoverished people, right? And it takes someone who wakes them up. It's why, it's why um, chari- charity organizations that, that constantly dump money into, into things, constantly pumping money into all kinds of things, it's a waste because they're not actually trying to get to the root of the problem. The root of the problem is changing the mental uh, the mentality and the behavior systems and the belief systems directly under the bottom, right? And then working your way forward, not starting with the top and just showering them with stuff to make yourself feel better. I had a kind of terrifying but interesting at the same time uh, uh, thought on that. And and the, I forgot who it was, but they were talking about the problem with providing money, food, mm-hmm. resources, uh, in those situations is it creates a culture that somebody is going to come and give us stuff Rescue. if it gets hard mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't encourage uh, you know, ways of thinking to get out of it. Now, of course, you don't want somebody to suffer unnecessarily, but ironically, sometimes we need a certain amount of suffering for us to actually be willing to figure it out. If we're all on a desert island and somebody keeps just dropping food for us because we're suffering on a desert island, we're probably not going to think about how to get our own food because we'll just wait exactly. for the plane. And if we wait for the plane long, too many times, we'll let most of the people on the desert island die before we finally decide to go and get food. But if mm-hmm. the plane doesn't come ever, hardly any of us will die because we'll, we'll never think a plane's coming and we'll immediately have to try and feed ourselves. And so that's mm-hmm. back to that example of the pain just keeps getting bigger until we do something about it mm-hmm. because the inevitability is... You know, death being maybe the ultimate pain, right? In in this example, and so it's like just going to keep building until we're all we're all gone. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to preface by the way, uh, to give context to the to the statement about my grandma and and, and potatoes. Uh, we she never actually taught me how to plant potatoes. Uh, it was a it was a metaphor of hers around I got to get a real job, James. She still says it to me. Love <laughs> go get a real job. Well, and, well the good news like, is I think the metaphors help people, right? So, <laughs> uh, the 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 point being with that understanding the whether we need to constantly put, for example, our kids or ourselves into these basic positions to learn stuff and things like that, I think that it's very, very relative. And I think what I've taken from our discussion is the most important thing is to have different perspectives mm-hmm. from people around you doing different things to understand and have a full picture. If you're only mm-hmm. ever taught by somebody who's only ever been wealthy from uh, let's say writing books, you won't have perspective. So if for some reason you can't write a book, your life's over. Whereas mm-hmm. learning the skills of success from people doing it in multiple different ways mm-hmm. allows you to understand how to be successful. And then you can pick your avenue because everything works. It's kind of like marketing. People yeah. always say to me, James, what should I be? Should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? And I say to them, well, everything works. Just do it well and for long enough. Yeah. And people always ask, you know, how do I get how do I get rich? It's like all of the ways. Pick, <laughs> just pick one, you know what I mean? But yeah. that's the that's the understanding of the success, not necessarily the 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 tactical individual thing, because you've got a got a perspective. So I like that because I'm I'm raising two boys and they are very, they're very much like me. They are very uh, they they know what they want. 
you know, they push for it. My, my nine-month-old just pushed my two-year-old out of the way to get to the toys uh, because he got annoyed <laughs> that my two-year-old kept blocking him from them. And uh, I was like, wow, all right, he's going to be, uh, you know, driven. So it's, it's, it's like, how do I focus that energy to, to allow them to be more uh, mm-hmm. if they wish uh, without necessarily, because there was a lot of uh, suppression of, of my, let's call it genius without being, uh, you know, egotistical. Uh, you know, at high school, I was told, James, it's, you know, primary school is easy, but intermediate is going to be difficult. And they kept saying that to me through high school, through university. And it worked for you. Through, through life. And yeah. I'm like, okay, when's it going to get difficult? Not because it's not, but because my perspective has always been, okay, this is a, you know, it's another level and I'm just going to find the information and, and, and get to it because I've, I've viewed it like that. But how do I, you know, pass that on to my children without, like you said, without the unnecessary suffering? Do I want my yeah. kids to go homeless to be able to learn, learn something? It's like, maybe, <laughs> I'm going to say not. no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm going to say no. I think, um, again, I think it comes down to understanding that our children are growing up in, growing up in specific seasons. How I love my boys today is very different than how I loved them when they were, you know, younger, you know, when they were, you know, nine, 10, 11 years old. Uh, when they were nine and 10 and 11 years old, they needed me to have, to be more of a encouraging slash coach rather than a straight up mentor. You know, now my boys are 19 and 20, about to be 20 and 21. And my goal now is to be there when they have questions about life, because fortunately, because we did the other part well, we know I love them for where they were in the time that they were. And I try to stay, I try to teach only one level above them. So whatever level they were, so if I'm talking to a three-year-old, I'm not going to talk about flipping real estate. And this is how you, this is how you get a good deal. And this is how you can use leverage. And then I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to be like, all right, so what do you want? Okay. And it's a baby step process, right? And I think our kids are the same way. Somebody said this the other day and it really stuck with me. Your kids will become the actions that you take, not the intentions you provide. And it really stuck with me because our kids are always watching. So to me, the best way to teach our kids is to be the best version of ourselves at all times. And if they see us hungry for it, they will develop that same hunger for it themselves. The tricky part is, is once they're getting old enough to make decisions for themselves and try to choose their own life path is like, okay, what have you been gifted with? Like one of your boys may be gifted, for example, in my case, I got one boy that's, that's a lot like me, right? Entrepreneurial, um, creative. Uh, relationship-driven. Uh, my other son is very, very, very scholastic, very, very tactical, very, very uh, black and white. This is it either is or it isn't, right? So he sees one line to get to places. Um, what do they call it? A fixed mindset versus the uh, expansive mindset or whatever, you know? It's that same mentality, right? The trick is, is now, now rather than becoming the coach or the mentor, now you're kind of becoming more of a sounding board of what makes them special, right? Now they may grow up in a family business or, or maybe not grow up in a family. I'm, for my kids, it's like, you don't have to be part of the family business. But you don't have to, like, I want you to do what you, what you were created to do from my perspective. Like, what is it you want to do, right? And I think that starts early, right? It's, it's you know, not having, when, when our four-year-old is wanting to go play, you know, football or soccer and they're running off to the pitch, Right? Are we? What are we doing? Or am I going to say no, 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 no? You have, you can't do that. We have, you got to go play golf. 
right? It's, it's about letting them, you know, especially when they're young, discovery is the best tool of ambition, right? Is to let them discover, you know, what they're going to be ambitious about, right? Are they ambitious about, uh, you know, a new way of learning? I mean, the fact that your intellect has carried you so far without being overly challenged, that is a gift, right? That not a lot of people have, but also to have the humility to carry that gift and use that gift in the service of others is also just as powerful as having the gift itself. And I think, and I think us being able to mentor at that level, understanding that father and mentor, while it, while mutually connected, are at times distant or or different from each other. Like a father is going to be in this role of empowerment, education, and protection. A mentor is going to be like, okay, make your decision. How did that work? Okay, why did it not work out? Why did it work out? How do you feel? Did it make you feel like you have a higher level of confidence or a lower self of confidence? And I think at the end of the day, I think it, it, it always comes down to the word perspective every single time. How many different ways can you look at one thing and tackle that one thing? You know, the Asian culture, for example, Chinese culture, one of the things that they do really well is they start with the bottom and work their way up in a cone. Right, they will circle and circle and circle and circle and circle. They'll hire consultant after consultant after consultant, team member after team member, innovator, uh, engineers, all this kind of stuff repeatedly to understand how do we build the best X, Y, Z. And they do that consistently. For Americans, we're historically guilty of being: how do we get there the fastest? How how do we how do we how are we number one? rather than how do we build a, a great thing, you know? And I, th- I, th- I think it's culturistic. I think it's indoctrination. And I think it's letting, you know, especially the parental level, letting the parent lead the child based on where the child is excelling, so to speak. I don't know if that's a long-winded answer, but it's, hopefully that helps. So, so let, let's, let's take this turn as we, as we kind of come to the end here. I want to know uh, from your perspective, if someone's listening to this thinking, this is great, but I don't have kids or I'm not a child, and they're thinking maybe I need to be applying some of this to myself. I need to be maybe mm-hmm. looking at how I can almost parent or uh, or mentor myself to get out of wherever I'm at to get on this bus because I, I like where it's going. What do you what do you wish more people understood so they could maybe create some of this for themselves? I think the first thing that I wish I had known when I was younger, when I was going through everything, the number one thing I wish I had known is there's no such thing as limitations. There's no such thing as a limitation. I'm short, but that doesn't mean I can't climb a ladder. I'm bald. That doesn't mean I can't wear a hat, right? There's, there's all these different limitations that you put on yourself and you've got to remove the shackles of limitation to ultimately be able to elevate yourself to a new level of standard within yourself. But for me, I actually had to start talking to myself physically in a mirror. Like I, and, 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 they, and I had a very, very, very low self-esteem because of the environment and people have to understand you're, you're always being programmed. You're being programmed by your friends, by your relationships, by your occupation, by the media sources that you uh, consume on a regular basis. And in order to understand more about yourself, you have to spend more time with yourself without all the distractions, right? I've heard uh, many folks that, um, uh, you know, I'm connected to, uh, to Dean uh, and, and Tony at a distance. And one of the things that we talk about or we've talked about before is this essence that people will achieve what they think they can, period. Like if you, if, 
that's the end of the story. You're going to have to take off the shackle of limitation in order to open yourself up to a new level of learning. Well, once you open yourself up to limit, you remove the limitation thing, then it's like, okay, what am I passionate about? Great. Go learn as much as you possibly can about that one given subject. And that's how you develop mastery. And I think at the end of the day, if people will do that, they'll, they'll begin to win like now. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I like that. And I, and there's a, there's a one percent of me that's that that's still because we're always a work in progress, right? The one percent of me that still will say, "Well, there are some limitations." And I and what I instantly then heard myself say as a counter because I've I've been training myself on, on this because I noticed this mm-hmm. was that even the one little cancer cell mm-hmm. left unchecked will kill a person, right? Yep. Even one little bit of rust will just wipe that door panel out. And I think yep. that. It's not about being, you know, delusional and saying, well, I can, you know, I can fly and jumping off a building. That's stupid. It's about saying that the, the mere fact of having any belief that there could possibly be a limitation will force your brain to find it and mm-hmm. therefore limit you. So it's yep. not being stupid. It's saying, well, if I believed that it was possible, right, there was no limitation, what could I then achieve? Mm-hmm. Not that I won't ever be limited, but that I won't ever limit myself in the pursuit of the thing. That's what I take from that. Because so many yeah. of us just have it, like 99% of our, of our entire physiology is that everything's limited. <laughs> and it's like they're trying to expand it. But it, it's about pushing that as far away as possible. Because the moment we have struggle, if we believe that limitation is true, we use that to justify mm-hmm. why we're not having what we want. And then we give up because it's too painful. Yeah. Why would you keep going? It's not possible. Yeah, that, that, exactly. that in itself just stops you. You can then you can never get anything. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, if you look at it this way, look: lack of limitations plus consistent effort and progress equals unstoppability. If you want to become unstoppable at any any level of life, it's one of the reasons I I love the word unstoppable. It just it resonates with me so much, is because when you let go of preconceived notions and you're just willing to put in the work, learn the thing you need to learn, get the mentor you need to get, read the book you need to read, take the action you need to take, and you do that repetitively, you build muscle memory that overwrites the previous programming, leading you towards unstoppability. And I think at the end of the day, your audience, my audience, all of us, if we take ownership of that, we can have an incredible life and actually create a legacy that outlives us because we're actually teaching people what we did. 100%. So last question What's the most important thing you ever learned? Uh, the most important thing I ever learned is not to cast my limitations on other people. Yeah, that's huge, especially our yeah. kids. To kind of that's right. That's right. That's right. I mean, that's how that's how you break generational problems. You, you you remove the shackles of poverty. You remove the shackles of low self esteem or insecurities or any number of things by simply working on them yourselves. And when you have the chance to open your mouth and say something foolish, you don't. So simple. I, I think something that, um, that illustrates that really well is there's uh, like pictures of horses or donkey or elephant or whatever, and it, and mm-hmm. they've got a, a shackle around its ankle or its neck, and they put it over a pig, mm-hmm. and it looks at it and goes, "I can't go anywhere. I'm, <laughs> I'm pegged to the ground." And it's like, yep. "No, you're not. It's yeah. just hung there." But be you're con- so conditioned, or that the creature is so conditioned that. It just won't even attempt to break mm-hmm. free because it's accepted the limitation yeah. that I cannot. But on the flip side of what I said about one, you know, one little cancer cell, on the flip side, it's like one little immune cell 
to keep this health related mm-hmm. and overcome and then multiply. And, and so even that one little 1% of, yeah, but what if there is no limitation? What if this is all just the matrix and I can just take, you know, the red pill and break out? <laughs> I say take the red pill. <laughs> and, and then it's like, uh, you know, you just take it off the hook and, huh, I'm free. I can run away from this person who keeps riding me all day. One, one last thing to, to end this. I don't know. I'm on a bit of a meme, meme trip at the moment. I saw this <laughs> great one to illustrate this. Person lying on the ground, their head and a boot on their head. Mm-hmm. And then they zoom out and it's the dude with a, his own hand in the boot pushing it on himself. And I think that mm-hmm. I, like a lot of this is sounds silly, but it, it's such a good illustration of the, the irony. Really most, most of our pursuit of success or achievement of failure, I'll say achievement of failure, mm-hmm. is that we are the ones that are doing it, not anybody else. Yeah. It doesn't matter who the president is. It doesn't matter, you know, where we're born, what we look like, whether we're mm-hmm. bald or short, like you said. <laughs> it's it's yeah. it's our ability to to see past that and pursue it anyway. And it starts with finding a mentor. And and I really appreciate you from for coming on the show. I think that that uh, this was amazingly insightful. And I think that a lot of people got value from it. And I'd love to know where can people find out more about you and maybe even see some of your content to start getting mentors. Yeah. So uh, huge on YouTube. Steven Scoggins uh, with a PH and uh, Scoggins is S-C-O-G-G-I-N-S. StevenScoggins.com and then at underscore or at Steven underscore Scoggins on Instagram. It's probably where I'm busiest at. Yeah, love to love to hear back if the uh, the conversation inspired some folks and kind of what their thoughts are. And James, I enjoyed the conversation, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on, buddy. I appreciate you. All right, take care. See ya. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Everything shared will be in the description of the episode so you can go and grab that. Now, if you enjoyed the show and you want to listen to more, please subscribe because every week we're releasing new episodes with inspiring people, successful people, so you can level up your game. So subscribe and also leave us a review. We'd love to hear feedback about the show and your thoughts and opinions there as well. Now, if you want to have more success, whether it's in your life, whether it's in your business, we run live trainings every single week where you can get access to me to coach you through everything from health, wealth, success, business, We're doing topics on all things that you need to live a better, more inspired and successful life. Live trainings every single week. Just visit jamesnielsenwatt.com forward slash live and you can get access to that now. There's also a ton of resources that you get for just listening to the show. All of that will be in the description. So if you are watching this on YouTube, check the description. If you're listening to this episode, check the description. We've got a load of resources there for you to have more success in your life, whether it's relationships, investing, or in business. I'll see you on the next episode. And as always, subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends because there's somebody else that needs to be hearing this, and maybe you're their opportunity to help them level up their game.